0: Welcome to an episode of Story Screen Presents. This is Freaking Out with Flanagan, the podcast covering all things Mike Flanagan. I'm joined by Michael Burge. That's me. And this is Diana DeMiro. And today we're going to be talking about Gerald's Game and Dr. Sleep, two Stephen King film adaptations, one that is a little more divisive or maybe... Just not super popular. Uh, but... Sure. Mike and I both like it. I don't know it. which
1: one you're talking about. Yeah. Though, right? yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, But yeah, we're going to talk... We're continuing the conversation in the filmography of director and writer Mike Flanagan. And, you know, prior to seeing Gerald's Game, I feel like most of my film knowledge of Stephen King adaptations was really... You know, the non-scary stuff. I'm a big fan of Shawshank. I'm a big fan of uh, Stand By Me, which is, you know, another one of his short stories, The Body. Um, I always loved It, but the original three-day-long adaptation that's in two parts over many VHS tapes. You loved what? (laughs) The adaptation of It. Of Of what? Of what? Of what? Of It.
1: Yeah. What do you mean?
0: Oh, you're doing a bit. Yeah. 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 It's Friday. It's the it bit. It's a uh, it's, it's Friday back. <laughs> after work, and I'm a little tie tie, <laughs> so I might not be so quick on the uptake with the bits. And but I am energized. Yeah. Uh, uh, this will be fun. But uh, <laughs> this is be a good episode. But but yeah. But what I wanted to start out with is, Mike Birch, you are the owner of many Stephen King books, and mm. I was kind of hoping you would just give me a little intro to, like, maybe what was one of the first one or two Stephen King books you ever read, and, like, how old were you, and, like, how'd you get into liking Stephen King? Jeez. Yeah, uh, give us a little Stephen King history before we go Flanagan Stephen King. Wow.
1: Uh, the first Stephen King book that I read, ooh. Um, was it
0: Carrie, or was it something else? No,
1: I read Carrie more recently. Oh, okay. I thought uh, you was were like just rereading ones... Carrie. So no. that was one of
0: your... Not that you missed the first yeah, time. We around.
1: did a real page turner on Carrie K- yeah. way back in the day. But I
0: thought uh, you had read that before then.
1: No, I had never read the book. That's a good episode with
0: you and Ramona, right?
1: Very. Yeah, that's very a good, episode. good
0: episode. You can do a deep dive and search under our content.
1: Mm. Yeah, for uh, Carrie. Bad audio quality. If I'm remembering correctly hey, on okay. that, because we had some issues, but uh, still pull it off. Uh, no, I'm, it's gotta be just it. No, it's gotta be Tommy Knockers was oh. probably the first one that I read when I was younger just because my How'd you get uncle your hands
0: had, on that. My uncle had ah. yeah.
1: and like that's my uncle and my grandmother had a bunch of Stephen King books and your that's grandma, huh? Yeah. They just I had a bunch.
0: Wouldn't have thought that.
1: No idea if they actually read them. Uh I've never talked to either of them about Stephen King. Uh, but that's they had a bunch on their bookshelf and I just started kind of taking those off. Yeah. Um and I've collected a bunch of them over the years still haven't gotten to all of them I've read a bit I uh, it's got to be Tommy Knockers you know and like it was probably very close after that but I didn't read it until I was How old maybe were you? just into
0: high school Okay but you were so a little bit I older so I definitely read
1: more before that like okay. I've read Pet Cemetery I don't know if that's yeah before or after but
0: See I don't think I was allowed to see the original Pet Cemetery, when it came out, because I was too young, mm. and like even rerun on TV, that was sort of like a nah, that's scary for you to watch. Yeah. And then I don't know what, at what point I was home and my mom worked nights, and the TV was either in the living room where my dad frequently would watch sports and other stuff. And then I was allowed to go watch TV in their bedroom downstairs, mm. totally separate, that had a window out to the driveway. To the darkness, and I remember I was watching it with uh, Tim Curry, and my dad realized I was watching it, and he turned all the lights off on purpose about yeah. halfway through to scare the shit out of me. He told me, me the
1: story, for that's good. Yeah, yeah. And, that's he,
0: good. and you know, he was cracking up, but I was like screaming, because I was like, what? Yeah. I'm trying to remember how old I actually was, because I don't think I was... If you that were watching young? it on
1: TV, that had to be within three years of it coming out. Yeah. Which had to be anywhere between like what ninety one and ninety four. It was early
0: nineties for sure. Yeah. So I was probably in junior high. Hmm. Yeah. I probably wasn't quite or maybe a freshman in high school. Yeah. The latest. But a little young because
1: people forget like we when didn't you're watch a, a lot in of high scary school, shit. You're still fourteen. Yeah. Shit we, freaks you out.
0: Especially if you're watching it by yourself.
1: Yes. You know? Yeah. So. Which is something we'll talk about a little bit more in this with the idea of quote unquote elevated horror. Yeah. Which sure. I feel like these movies kind of take a little stab in the back at, uh, just given Flanagan's kind of approach to doing things. And these are the two Stephen King Flanagan right. adaptations. So far. So far, which is really crazy because... And
0: there's some talk about him doing Dark Tower in the future. Yes, it, yes. this is the
1: whole thing. Yes. It's coming up and it's like, it's so crazy that like... I have such a connection with Flanagan and Stephen King. I'm like, oh, of course, Flanagan is the Stephen King boy. He is the Frank Darabont apparent who is sure. like, oh, he can take these things like Darabont did The Mist, yeah. Shawshank Redemption, yep. Yep, yep, Green yep. Mile. Like, yep. He can take these kind of like, you can either never adapt that or why would you even want to adapt that but those Stephen are very, King books I mean, if and you're make going, them amazing.
0: If you're going Green Mile and Shawshank, like those are very different Genre Stephen King than these types of Stephen Kings. do yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. they go for it. Mur, mur, mur.
0: Mur. Yeah. So, first up, we're going to talk about Gerald's Game, which Mike watched before I did. I watched by myself, freaked myself out as an adult watching it. Back in the it day when it came When out. it first yeah. was released on Netflix. And then we both rewatched it recently. Um, which
1: I think was the second time that we yeah. watched it together.
0: It was right? the second time I've seen it. Period. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, uh, you know, had seen Doctor Sleep in the theater, and this was the second time I watched it in preparation for this episode. So okay. definitely, these movies are still kind of fresh. They're Soft not- more
1: viewing. Yeah, yeah. they're
0: not uh, something I've seen multiple, multiple times, mm-hmm. but enjoyable or not so enjoyable, depending on the scenes. Hmm the the grossness and the violence. Yeah. So these are particularly violent movies, both of them. Stephen and, King is yeah. a
1: particularly literally violent yeah. person. But these are well, like no, so some... not literally in the sense of like literally violent.
0: Yeah. In his books. It,
1: in, in his, his storytelling. Literacism. Yeah. He is quite violent in his prose.
0: But, you know, as disturbing as watching it can be the first watching what it. Yeah, stop. Sorry. The uh, the first iteration of it with Tim Curry, I think because it was going to be on TV was still bloody, but not as terrifying as and violent as the remake. Not
1: as visceral. You know? Yeah,
0: like it's but it's, still it's,
1: terrifying.
0: Yeah, no, it's still very scary. Part of the thing that makes the TV it like
1: so terrifying is that like it Tim held back Tim Curry is on a terrifying. Things they're like, yeah. well. We got to make it creepy in other ways, and yeah. that kind of makes it like you know, it's the
0: Tim Curry, especially creepy nowadays. Mofo. It's like yeah,
1: you don't need like blood gushing out all over the place for something to be terrifying. It's more the
0: right, but there is a lot of it in the new version.
1: Yes, there's there a, is.
0: There's a lot more blood,
1: especially in the second one,
0: which Blech. is why
1: the second one's not as good.
0: Yeah, maybe so. Maybe I mean, so. it's more
1: batshit bananas. I kind of like the second one for what it is, but it's all yeah, right.
0: It's all right. It's no, okay. Come here. It's okay. We're not here to talk about that. Though. Yeah, we're not talking about that. I guess we're,
1: that. we're probably going to be like jumping on and off a bunch of Stephen King adaptations while we talk. This is the Stephen King episode. Yeah, I mean, this. if you're going to
0: reference other Stephen King things, this is when to do it. This is when to do it for now. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I have not seen Dark Tower. If you <laughs> want to listen to Robbie and Mike talk about the Dark Tower movie with Idris Elba, you can check that episode out.
1: Movies in quotations.
0: Movies. In quotation marks. Um, But uh, yeah, Gerald's Game. Tell me why you like Gerald's Game so much. Because you really liked it before I even watched it. And then when I watched it, I was like, this movie is fucked. Yeah. And I'm going to try not to swear so much this episode.
1: You swore a lot in the Oscars episode.
0: Like I said, that episode was, you know, two plus hours when we recorded it. And I realized the first hour or so. I wasn't really swearing that much. Mm -hmm. But then by the second hour, I think I just got kind of loosey-goosey excited. And when I get relaxed and comfortable, I start swearing I'm not going to
1: tell you that you got to be more like me because you don't. But like, you know, I like, I come in.
0: Keep it professional.
1: I come in loosey-goosey from the beginning.
0: Yeah, it takes me a little longer to warm up sometimes. I'm
1: swearing from the fucking beginning.
0: Yeah, but we don't have to for the listeners at home. Some may not appreciate that. But we fucking can. Sure, sure.
1: Especially on like, Gerald's Game and Doctor Sleep. So.
0: so, Gerald's Game's got some of the core actor cast, you know, ensemble that that gets picked up again and again. It's it's got that sweet sweet Henry Thomas. Yep. Being a little creep. Uh it's got his Oh, you think it's creep in this movie? <laughs> it's got his lovely wife wife Kate Siegel in a bit part.
1: We are spoiling, too. Yeah. Gerald's you game, Doctor Sleep, is gonna be spoiled straight spoiled from town. here on out.
0: Uh and you know, Gerald's game is not that long. It is not. And it's on Netflix. So if it you is. haven't seen it yet, hit pause on this and go watch that. Because very good it idea. is highly enjoyable. But we will ruin it for you with some of the things we're going to talk about. So- and
1: honestly, even spoiling it kind of pales in comparison to the experience of watching yeah. some of it. It's a, yeah. Again, it's a very visceral movie. I think that's to answer your immediate question from like a minute or so ago. Why I like Gerald's Game so much is that it is... Um, it is a Stephen King book that I've read Uh, it it was notoriously it's like one of Stephen King's lesser known books that is pretty much unadaptable you cannot make this into a movie and even if you were able to crack the code of how to do it why would you one want to make it why would you two put in the effort it would take to actually develop it Ah. And three, even more importantly, what studio in the world would be like? Yes, we're going to pump the money into this that you need to, even though it's a very small movie. It is mainly takes place in one location, songs like flashbacks and flashbacks. stuff like that. Yeah. Um, notoriously, as the urban legend goes, uh, I don't know if Flanagan's ever spoken to this himself, but. Uh, I remember hearing the urban legend that as Flanagan in his earlier days was kind of going around every time that he would uh, be being interviewed for a job to either write something or direct something, he would always have this pitch for Stephen King's Gerald's game with him because Gotcha. as anybody who's in the industry knows of like w- when you're shopping around ideas and when you're trying to find investors in either Hollywood or just uh, basic independent filmmaking, more often than not, nine times out of 10, they'll also be like, what else you got, by the way? Mm. You know, besides the meeting that you're actually there for. And I guess he always had this pitch for Gerald's game that he would just kind of like toss out there. He's like, I have cracked this book. I know exactly how to do it. This is how you do it. Check this out. Yeah, And it would be passed up time and time again. Uh, And then once he was able to land Hush which got distributed by Netflix right then he kind of had his in and Netflix was like let's do it what else he got it's Stephen King yeah what's going on and he was just like, "Listen, we." just... And it was
0: a Stephen King piece that not a lot of other people were competing to make.
1: It's all, and also <laughs> it, it, it had not been adapted yet. Like this is probably around the time that people were like, "Well, you could remake The Shining, you could remake Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you could remake Carrie." All these. Yeah, this came
0: out twenty seventeen.
1: Stephen King's. Yeah, and
0: it, in the in the timeline of Flanagan, this came out before making the Haunting of Hill House, mm-hmm. so. Or making it? Was it happening simultaneously?
1: I would imagine that he made this first. And while this movie was in post-production and getting released, he was, he was probably yeah. making Hill House. Because yeah.
0: Yeah. I think there was actually a little bit of overlap between Dr. Sleep and Hill House as well. Yes, there was. Because yeah, yeah. I was reading a little bit about that.
1: It's one of the weirdest things that Dr. Sleep...
0: Happened when it did.
1: Happened the way that it did yeah. with who was involved. Like yeah. with the... The Netflix and the Warner Brothers of it all, and pretty much the only reason that Warner Brothers was involved is because Warner Brothers owns Owned the, the rights to the Shining,
0: yeah, yep,
1: they own the rights to the Shining, and yeah. it's like, well, we want to do this, and we'll, we'll get into that nonsense later. That's going to be some really fun nerd stuff, it's <laughs> going to be geeky, uh, but no, um, I watched Gerald's Game, uh, having read the book, not really having remembered it because I read it a long time ago, um. I remembered, like, the general story and, like, the... A lot of it takes place in her mind. The the supernatural aspects of it are the things that really stand out, like, in my memory from reading the book. Supernatural
0: or she's losing her mind.
1: So, in the movie, that's placed more... It's... When you're watching it, it's easier to disconnect those. Gotcha. Reading the book and having it be a Stephen King book and having read it at the age that I was You're a I'm little just, bit more open you're to you. are more like oh it's gotcha. kind of supernatural. The, the, gotcha.
0: The moonlight
1: man. The movie is really good because it, it isolates those down into reality. Mm-hmm. Where this is more about trauma. Right. Which will also come up in the next movie we're going to talk about which is also going to come up in everything else that Mike Flanagan talks about.
0: True. Or Addiction.
1: Yeah, and the thing that I really (laughs) liked about um, Gerald's game is not just the cast—Carla Gugino, Carla Gugino, just like uh, hot as fucking fire embers. Same with Bruce Greenwood, just like fucking killing it, just right there. Oh my goodness, I would love to. (laughs) Take both of them out to a nice steak dinner and maybe a threesome happens at the end of the night. I don't know. I'm just there to have fun and hang out and talk to them, but it's a possibility. (laughs) Who knows? They're in committed relationships. I'm in a committed relationship, but we'll see what happens. You never know. Um, The thing about Gerald's game that is so impressive to me is... How he's able... How Flanagan is able to, not only as a writer, and but also as a director, balance the tension of the situation with also all of the, again, like, quote-unquote supernatural elements. The, the kind of out-of-body out elements that go sure. there. And, you know, we're spoiling, so it's like the 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 angel and the devil on your shoulder kind right. of elements of it as well.
0: Or sort of like, you know, when people try and... Manifest someone having split personalities on a television or a movie. Yeah. And it doesn't always work out that well. Uh You know, trying to represent the thoughts that your brain is having when you're panicking or when Uh adrenaline is pumping through you. Um, He
1: visualizes on screen the state, the different states of going insane.
0: Yeah. So Jesse is handcuffed to this bed. And her husband's had a heart attack and fell and hit his head. And he is on the floor, dead, bleeding out. Maybe initially she does not realize he's dead or she's hoping he's not. Yeah. But she clues in pretty quick. And Mm -hmm. it kind of manifests itself as both her and Bruce Greenwood, her husband, Gerald, popping up, you know, in their... In their lingerie and their and their boxer briefs, talking to her from left and right sides of the bed, either coaching her on or chewing her out, talking her down to make her doubt herself. And it, it, it kind of manifests itself as she's getting dehydrated, she's getting tired, her body's getting stiff, she has rushes of adrenaline, she's getting hungry, you know, so it's all these different stages of... Her body reacting to this trauma. And then on top of that, it's triggering to her what she just went through because of things she went through in her childhood. Yeah. So she ends things up...
1: Things that, again, a, a theme that will come up in the yeah. second movie we're going to talk about Childhood here. trauma. Traumas being repressed yep. when if you... Embrace them and come to terms with them, then
0: you're able to move on. You
1: are able to move on, and And in this situation, move on is almost literal. Yeah, you can find the strength to be able to get yourself out of this situation. Yes,
0: exactly. You get your strength back so by reclaiming your trauma. And Mm
1: -hmm. like the writer geek in me, uh, which will come into play too later. I'm gonna stop saying that, it's gonna come into play later. We'll talk about it again later. Uh, the Writer Geek and Me, uh, it's a very precarious situation and very specific situation that Jesse finds herself in being handcuffed to a bed and not being able to get out. Right. And the writing and directing showcases exactly how this kind of high concept, ridiculous situation is believable. It is. How do you get handcuffed? How can you not yeah. get out? How can and you, they are, how
0: can you not reach the phone? Yeah. How can you and not have someone come specific help? you?
1: And like not yeah. just making it kind of like well we'll get to that when we get to it and we'll explain it later. It's yeah. all kind of It's all set up set from up the beginning. Right there, like yep. From leaving the door open, which yeah. I think is one of the greatest goddamn things in the yeah. world. So, front
0: door's wide open. There's stray dog that's hungry and mangy outside that they almost hit with their car Mm -hmm. that she tries to feed with expensive Kobe beef. It's a great scene. And it kind of shows the true colors of Gerald. Their marriage is strained.
1: But no, it it shows his true colors, too, where he complains about it, but just lets it go Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that's really intense in there where it's like this is not like a terrible dude
0: he's terrible ish he's revealed to
1: be (laughs) terrible he's definitely revealed to be terrible in terrible ish in her mind yeah afterwards that she's had these thoughts about him and these interactions one in particular is just like oh something that he said was just like yeah disgusting it's sort of
0: like how you you overlook certain things for the people you love.
1: Yeah. You know, he's you, not you like them a, a mustache twirler. You can, you can understand why Jesse would one fall in love with this person and marry them in the first place. And two would want to do something like this and want to like, kind of give herself over like as, as he's trying to do this thing that they've agreed to, why she kind of goes along with it eh. without even the trauma that happened beforehand and knowing like where that's kind of coming from. Like yeah. he's saying. Like, that's like $200 a portion. No, no, no. He's already got a cent for it. Just just let's go inside. Like that kind of thing. Yeah. It's not that he's a good guy. He's not. It's just that... He's not a good dude. He, he's not...
0: It's ambiguous the worst enough. The
1: goddamn dude yeah. in the world.
0: Well, it's... It it's, makes
1: sense that she would be with him.
0: Uh, yeah, sort of.
1: And the more you learn about her, unfortunately, it makes more sense too, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But like... That's part and parcel, like, with the writing and kind of setting it up.
0: It makes sense that she found herself with him because she hasn't dealt with sort of these aspects of her trauma yet. And then once she has, you're kind of like, she's not going to do that again. She's not going to let that happen again. But in the beginning, she is sort of trying to be a dutiful wife. She's trying to rekindle her marriage however many years on, over 10 years or something like that, right? It's like 13 years that Mm -hmm. they've been married. So, you know... She kind of alludes to maybe he's had affairs and she doesn't really care, but she's trying to work it out. And his idea of, you know, the romantic weekend, them not being disturbed, there's no neighbors nearby, like in theory sounds nice. Then he takes out this pair of like legitimate police handcuffs and she kind of makes that comment like, oh, I thought they were going to be more like the you know the the, pink, the pink, pink, furry pink furry covered like kind you'd get at a sex store he's that are got kind a of very fun. Very
1: important line that yeah. he responds to with that too. He's like, "Oh, those break all the time."
0: That's gross,
1: and that's also
0: revealing. Ind- yeah. Revealing. Yeah. yeah, it's indicative. He of says a where lot of stuff, from. and like he the the provoking of her where he kind of wants her to role play that. She's a victim is is problematic because his fantasy a does kind of play out it
1: nicely. Yeah, yes. he
0: he she you know confronts him at one point like, oh, your fantasy is to like rape somebody. What is going on here? Yeah. Like, she's repulsed by it, and then she's eventually afraid. Yeah, because he doesn't let her out.
1: Yeah, because like all of her all of her like internal. One, her internal personal trauma is kind of starting to bubble up a little bit, which she gets uncomfortable with, but it's also just the the reality of the situation, Mm -hmm. regardless of their relationship to each other. It's like, no, no, I have said no, and you're not doing what I'm asking you. But also, too, and uh, I want to go on the record first real quick before I say what I'm about to say. Not good. Very bad. Do not do. Don't do stuff like this.
0: Oh, but, that Gerald is doing.
1: But Bruce Greenwood's performance...
0: Yeah, you're very captivated by him. I think
1: it's insane.
0: I don't think he's as charming as you think he is, but that's potentially because this was my second watch it's, and it's I knew not what was charming happening. charming as a
1: character. I am charmed by Bruce Greenwood's performance. Sure. Not by Gerald.
0: No, the performance is
1: great. But what he's putting into Gerald here is just like, like when she reacts like that, he's like... Well, what the fuck? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. What the hell? And he's doing like that manipulative stuff, which he's is gaslighting like not her, good. For sure. Exactly. Yeah. But he does it in this way where, like, you feel like Gerald believes 100% what he's doing. He's not trying to trick her. No. He's, he's like, not. no, wait, what the fuck? What's going on? I think that that's. And that part is only lasts not. about like five minutes. Uh, he is and he's not. No, you're right. Because you're right. Yeah. that
0: goes. Into later in the film when we start to see these flashbacks of Jesse as a kid and you see Henry Thomas as her dad and you realize she's been abused and he also kind of gaslights her where he sort of tricks her into asking him not to tell mom, oh, please don't tell mom what happened. She's going to be so mad because he kind of he tricks her into thinking like. It'll break up the marriage. It'll, you know, she'll, she'll feel guilty. Course, he yeah. makes her feel bad. Yeah, we're getting ahead yeah. in,
1: in that. Yeah, but the, 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 the Bruce Greenwood performance in this, like before he becomes like the devil on her shoulder, which is essentially her subconscious yeah. using Gerald as the version that she has of him, whether She's, it's him or not. Yeah. I think that Bruce Greenwood's performance as Gerald in like that first like 20, 25 minutes before he croaks I think it's so fucking good and I think he's so good the whole movie. important. I actually I I Oh, he's so good as the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, but
0: I like him better once he's actually dead and he's popping up as her imaginary oh, version. I think yeah, he, yeah, then yeah. he gets to have That's a lot more, more fun like kind with of it.
1: fun part. Yeah, yeah.
0: cuz he's kind of jabbing like, her. He has to play
1: this dude that you're like sort of happy when he dies sort of happy. Yeah. You're like, "Oh, this guy sucks," but also understand like why would Jesse go to the cabin. Why would she ever marry this guy? Why would she ever try to rekindle it? And like, there's, there's this amazing balance of reality mm-hmm. with his character that Bruce Greenwood's doing in the beginning. That I think is just absolutely perfect. Where yeah. he really is trying. He
0: tries to be very sweet at times. Exactly. But he's also very rich and very he's scary. A, he's a dipshit. Yeah, he's, and he's like somebody not who. Not a good guy. Like, he, yeah. He, he feels he has a lot of power over her. His wife is younger and is kind of a trophy you can, wife. You can
1: feel that like he he feels like he owns her. Yeah. But also knows that he can't just flat out say that he owns her because it's his wife. Yeah because he's probably flat out said that he owns other people when he's doing other things. Sure. So he he has that course correction there. I don't know, I I, I don't want to get too specific into it because like that's not the point of this movie, but that's a thing that I have grabbed onto like the three or four times that I've watched this movie is like Bruce Bruce Greenwood's performance in the very beginning. When he actually is Gerald before he transforms into
0: yeah, well, it's important.
1: It's because it sets the tone. He's Very,
0: very good. Yeah, he is good. Yeah, but this movie is a Carla Gugino joint. It is, and she is excellent. So, let's talk about her more.
1: Yeah, let's she's do it. great. Yeah, uh, she's fucking fantastic. Yeah, we're gonna talk about her more in a future episode because uh, she plays a mama. And, uh, in, in, uh, in a Flanagan show that we're about to cover. You can say it. Haunting of Hill House. There yeah. we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I was I like, figured everybody there's no to mystery. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, she's fantastic. And uh, she's, yeah. uh, just, it's really cool too. like, uh, everybody talks about how, um, henry thomas like kind of just got like scooped up by i love
0: henry thomas and he's like brought him on in. yeah i love henry thomas he's so good i mean i it i don't like seeing him in gerald's game because of the nature of his character as her father and him starting out as a sweet dude but you realizing that from kind of the get-go you start to see little things that are red flags that you're like oh this isn't this dad's not okay Mm -hmm. this is creepy he's looking at his teenage daughter in the wrong way and then you are kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop as the movie goes on because you can tell that she's had this childhood trauma and she's thinking back on these events of this you know one day when they watch the eclipse together yeah so yeah but i love henry thomas man he's so good whether he's playing he's a good guy or fuck up or scary he's villain, good. he's so good. Psycho 4. He's so Underrated good. Greater performance.
1: Uh, but no, Carla Gugino is like another person that's like, you know, was, you know, Henry Thomas was like a child star back in the early 80s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Really did not take it off that much. Legends past, of the Fall. Yeah. That's all you got. Like he's got like little bump ups like. Legends of the Fall is good. We should do an episode on Legends of the Fall. I have a lot to say about Legends of the Fall. Do <laughs> you now? I do. Go figure. Um, but Carla Gugino also is like a. She's great.
0: She's it's an actress
1: that like was very seminal throughout the '90s. Was like in all these big movies, but never really. Connected and popped in that big superstar way, even though she's so good. Yeah, she's very good. And then really disappeared for a bit. Worked. She's been consistently working a lot in TV, little movies, uh, supporting roles here and there.
0: But she's doing, she's killing it in all the Flanagan stuff. But it's kind of the same thing as Henry Thomas with Flanagan, where he's like,
1: you are amazing and I am going to put you like front and center or yes. exactly where you need to be in these stories that I'm doing. Sure. And Gerald's game is just like it's her it's movie. It's
0: her time to shine. It's her movie. Yeah.
1: You she has to maintain this almost otherworldly amount of tension.
0: Yeah, and she has to narrate the entire time it's whether it's actually her first person Talking to herself, talking to the dog in the room, and then the, you know, um, like, manipulation of her subconscious as herself. Yeah, she's really good. Just, like, the physicality of the performance and then um, her kind of rationalizing all of the things, good or bad, that Gerald has done during their marriage. You know, comments he made, jokes he made that she pretended not to hear little allusions to either him philandering or being a shady piece of shit yeah it cannot (laughs) be
1: easy to be wearing a slip like that yeah she's essentially day day in day out and maintain those different levels of tension while also being funny
0: yeah she is very funny
1: like that's the thing about gerald's game too is like there's a lot of really funny moments in it that come from dark places. I was going to
0: say it's kind of like though when you, you na- when you laugh when you're nervous or afraid, yeah. it's sort of like the when <laughs> when, when, when Jesse
1: <laughs> finds relief in something, yeah, and she makes a little quip and a joke about it, even if it's not actually funny or a well-delivered line, you're like,
0: because <laughs> yeah. you're just like, you want her to be okay. This
1: sucks. <laughs> like, I don't think you're getting out of this. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Yep, and I just love how. Flanagan, really, like you said, he he places everything out within the first half hour of the movie that is useful or comes into play in the rest of the movie. Foreshadowing. Yeah, but it's not always done as well as this, you know? So no. there's just like, like you said, her getting brought inside in a hurry, holding his hand, the, the front door gets left open. That mm. allows the dog that is super fucking hungry to come in and smell dead gerald on the floor Mm -hmm. then there's also you know the plot that she put her glass of water up on the bookshelf there is that she ripped the tag off of her brand new you know silk nightgown that she bought and that is going to get rolled up and made into a straw so Mm -hmm. she can actually drink that glass of water a lot of movies a lot of
1: movies are especially even like kind of like thrillers yeah are one plus two plus three maybe plus four equals this? Yeah. This is one plus all the way to like twenty five. Yeah, it's great. Equals this. Like it's great. Put it all in there, and Flanagan. Like we have talked about it in the past on the on this on the show, but I feel like I finally found a way to articulate it a little bit with this, and having watched these two movies, do tell. He is a. You've heard the term triple threat. Sure. Which is, usually a triple threat is, in in, in cinema, is uh, <laughs> presented towards an actor who can act, dance, and sing. Right. he can do all of those things. Flanagan is a triple threat in the fact that he he's, can write.
0: He's a fantastic editor.
1: He can write. He can direct. And, like, the editing comes into the directing. Like, he can just, he can see exactly how to direct something. Sure. Whether he's editing it or not. And the third big one is... He's a really nice guy. <laughs> and that plays a lot when you're dealing with actors. Sure. Even though that comes into directing, no, because I, you're I dealing with them. No, I understand what you're
0: saying. Like, he's able to get these performances he out of can his cast. Do it. Because they really like working with him. Yeah. He makes the environment really collaborative. <laughs> he lets people ask questions. Like, all the feedback of working with him is very positive. The
1: other thing about Gerald's game, too, is that it looks insane. Even though it mainly takes place in one room, yeah,
0: mainly takes place and in this rented bedroom. And all the lighting bedroom. differences and
1: everything they do in it, you're just like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? Yeah, well, That's I so mean, good.
0: there is the like the flashbacks to her childhood and the sort of like lakefront vacation that her family is taking on the day of this solar eclipse. And the fact that there is a solar eclipse is changing the color palette of the sky and everything around them mm-hmm. and it's 70 so that's also changing the color palette so it's a cool way to do that in the sense that it it's a very stark difference from sort of like the gray almost like negative color of her bedroom once she's stuck there you know cuz like yeah. as soon as she's stuck there everything is very washed out like she's dehydrated she's wearing like this dirty you know off-white nightgown that she's got blood on and sweat on and then it's sort of just like and, and the, all the shadows that are coming through the windows the idea of this moonlight man in the corner of the room oh, we'll
1: get to the moonlight
0: man that may or may not be real but ends up being real because we're spoiling this for you
1: uh, yes yeah but yeah mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that's I feel like that's a, a point of contention with a lot of people that even like this movie is the ending, which was the same feeling I have when I first saw it. We'll talk about that in just a bit. Though
0: Was that in the book? Yes. Okay. It's also
1: a big point of contention in the book.
0: Too. Yeah, I yeah. think, you know, when I first saw this movie, I did not love the the ending.
1: Yeah. No, um, no, no, no. Wait, let's say this. Let's get to that. Because we, we got like a little bit more to talk about, all
0: right. right? Yeah. That's right? fine. Yeah. I mean, really, we can pick it up soon though, because I feel like Dr. Sleep's gonna take some time.
1: Doctor Sleep's gonna take some time. I I but I did want to I, I wanted to talk about real quick uh before we get to the Moonlight Man and the, the Moonlight man. Moon, man. Uh Chestnut Man. Um the the flashback sequences. Sure. Are such a breath of fresh air in the monotony of, like, how the movie looks.
0: That's what I just said. I know,
1: I know. <laughs> but I was saying, like, in in When That Happens, it kind of gives you this feeling of, like, release. Sort of. Where are it does if you don't know where it's going.
0: Yeah, if you don't you know, know where you're it's going. You
1: know, you're just like, oh, there's like kind of like this relief of like,
0: oh, this yeah, we're, is like a we're memory. Not, yeah, and we're not a watching nice memory, the dog eat her husband you for know a minute.
1: Something's going to happen. Yeah. like All the colors and stuff like that, like you were talking about. But then you eventually get to the thing that we were talking about before, where it's like, Henry Thomas has this interaction with her yep. where it's like, no, no. Um, uh, very bad, and the scene in the bedroom when they're back in the bedroom. I, I I like the I like the fact likes likes a bad word.
0: What are you trying to say? Spit out.
1: I like <laughs> the fact that that all of the flashback sequences that are happening inside of her head, the memory sequences, if we want to call them that, they ultimately end at a bedroom. Sure. Which is what we're mainly stuck in, in the first place. Sure. And yeah. that's the place where she was constrained. The first place where she had the handcuffs put on her, so to speak.
0: Sure, sure, sure.
1: And I think that it's it's really interesting that all of like the light and stuff like that, because the eclipse has happened and, oh, everything was bright and blue and they're on the lake and then the eclipse happens and it's like ooh black and red and all this stuff yeah. but now that's gone and now all of a sudden we're drenched back into the real world and it's just about nighttime. Yep. and all of the color is drained out and we have this interaction between Henry Thomas and the young Jesse and it's kind of putting us back in the palette that we got used to in the first like 35, 40 minutes of the movie before we started getting back to the flashbacks. Uh Uh-huh. I just think that that's really fucking cool. All right. Moonlight Man talk?
0: Moonlight Man. Creepy Moonlight Man. Uh Uh-huh. Who actually appears in Doctor Sleep as well. Not as the Moonlight Man, but that actor. Oh, yeah. So... There's this other subplot of somebody who's been breaking into people's houses and, and or digging up people's graves and stealing belongings and bones or other. Because I feel like there's some ears in there too. So it's not just bones. And there's that plot. But it's also mixed in with this idea that she could just be losing her shit because she's dehydrated and she's got adrenaline and she's having a mental breakdown. But she believes that she saw him in the moonlight in the corner of her room. and She's not totally sure if he was there. Until later, when we see a big bloody footprint on the floor. And that's when you're like, oh shit, that's a real footprint. Uh It's not in her head. So this dude is real. But. I mean, that could also be in her head.
1: Well, that's also the... With all
0: of the other versions of... The
1: Bruce Greenwood Yeah, the the, show. the Gerald like, of could it just all. just be... Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. You know, like, oh, the dog just stepped in there and stuff like that. It's it's never actually... Well,
0: it was not a dog fully footprint. ...fully revealed. It's, it's like a big footprint. Well, no,
1: he says something along the lines of, like, the dog could have just, like, sidestep right there and it looks like a footprint. What are you
0: doing? That's what he says.
1: Yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. And it's... Even when she actually leaves... And he's right there in front of her, and she gives him her her wedding engagement ring. ring.
0: Yep, gives her and her like wedding ring.
1: Gives it to him. You're still like, is this real? What's going on? Sure, everything that's happened.
0: Well, she's also in full shock at that point. Yeah, because she has degloved she has zero she has idea what's going. Fucking on. Fucking degloved her hand, and it is really gnarly to watch. And that oh
1: yeah, we didn't even talk about the degloving.
0: And that is why. Watching this by herself, maybe not the best idea, because it's really gross, and it's really traumatic, and you're like, oh, you're going to do what now? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, yeah. She gets her hands out of the cuffs by degloving her hand, uh, by cutting her, her own wrist and cutting her wrist, hand open, open with some on broken up, glass.
1: Using the blood as a lube Ugh. and uh, pulling it on out.
0: And then... Taking a big old fucking maxi pad and wrapping it up and Mm -hmm. taping it up and walking away like a champ.
1: Happy International Women's Month.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. Just what everyone wanted. Thanks.
1: Exactly what every listener wanted to hear right there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, But then she gets out of the house. And
0: freaks the fuck gets out. Gets in
1: a car and eventually crashes. Yeah, because she's losing amazing. a lot of blood. It, I oh, I forget. I've watched this movie four times now, and even on the fourth time, I forget about that amazing sequence at the that end. She's going to drive away and, and crash. Car, yeah, and you're like, she's gone. She's got it, and she's like, I am losing blood. Yeah, and I cannot operate a motor. Vehicle. She's trying
0: to stay awake, and she's starting to pass out. Yeah. Yep, and then she does.
1: She does. And yep. she passes out, she crashes a car, and uh
0: she wakes some up and very enough, nice people. She finally honk the horn.
1: Yeah, yeah. Some very nice people come out and help her, and she eventually reads in the newspaper that uh guess what? Moonlight Man, real. And also Moonlight Man, not as cute as you thought he was, Jesse. No. He a bad boy.
0: Yeah, gross. Not great. Not great.
1: And not great, Bob. He's been um Summing it all up.
0: He's necrophilia.
1: Doing some really bad stuff to yeah. some dead things. Yeah. Uh, mainly dead people. <laughs> and <laughs> um she goes and confronts him
0: in, the in most, court. In the most unrealistic it's, sequence in the movie. It's an unrealistic
1: thing, but also if you really judge it against the realism of the rest of the yeah, movie, that's like, fair. it's kind of heightened. It's just the movie is kind of like tried to get you into the yeah. anti-realism that it's sure. dealing with for but the a while, idea yeah.
0: that like sassy molassie jesse all healed up sure wearing a fancy yeah. dress uh, and heels str- struts it down uh-huh. the the aisle of the courtroom in the middle of the court being in session and it's just like you 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 know that's a little unrealistic but
1: it's you know
0: but it's, it's kind of great
1: it's the sense of What the movie's trying to say and everything kind of just being like hammered down in easy.
0: The scariest thing is that the quote unquote moonlight man then just like breaks his chains it's the best immediately it's my favorite part of it's the movie now so crazy i love it and i he didn't just... like it
1: the first time i love it
0: now. oh i think it's great I and love then he it. just or walks he right just up like, to her i
1: could just leave anytime i want yeah i am he's so strong the manifestation of the will of men yeah and i can and do giantism. whatever i want yeah. to anybody i want right you're not real yeah and he says you're just say, made
0: of moonlight it's the yeah. best yeah. it's
1: so good it's good and i like on the first time i watched it you were yeah, like you were I like what the hell heck? is this went right, right over my head i did not understand the connection of just like oh really this is a monster of a man looking yeah. at a woman and being like i am a man right you're a woman you are nothing you are moonlight yeah absolutely nothing. She
0: dealt with her trauma. Did she, not
1: connect that the first time. Strong. I was like, she's She's coming back. That was weird.
0: She's not afraid. Yeah. She's she's conquered her demons and then she walks the hell out of there like a boss. It's
1: fucking cool.
0: It is cool. It
1: is cool. Yeah.
0: So I definitely liked it better on the second watch despite Henry Thomas being creepy character and I don't like to see him like that because he's my boy blue. Me neither
1: but, but you know also at the same time He's so good. He's yeah. so good. And he's also still like really hot.
0: He's so good. He looks great. He's very young. I forget how young he looked in that. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, you know, because definitely like the last thing we've watched is Midnight Mass and they make him look older on purpose in Midnight Mass initially. Sure. And even like in Bly Manor, he's kind of made to look sort of tired and haggard and everything like that. But in uh, in this, he's definitely like youthful dad, charming, joking yeah. around. And she is daddy's girl until this happens. And he's
1: just got like all those telltale signs of all the things that predators use. You know, it sucks. It yeah. sucks to see him do it. But it's like the fact that he's the one that's doing it just yeah. makes it so much more affecting. Yeah. right?
0: And it makes it more real because a lot of stories that you will hear is that somebody was abused by... Someone in their family yeah. or somebody they trusted that mm-hmm. they never thought would do that to them. So
1: I mean, it's one of the big telltale things of like why Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins' performance as Hannibal Lecter in the original Signs of the Lambs mm-hmm. is that we had no idea who, as a, like as a culture, we had no idea who Anthony Hopkins was at that point. Mm. But you're like, that guy shouldn't be acting like this. What's going on? Right. 'Cause he Anthony Hopkins is a charmer. He's yes. he's a good man. Oh yes, sure, I sure, want to sure. listen to this guy and like he's just being like weird. And even now when you watch Anthony Hopkins just being Anthony Hopkins, you're okay. just like, This is the fucking guy that thirty years ago won like best actor yeah. for being a cannibal serial killer weirdo. Right. It's crazy shit. It and is, it's cool. It's that that big, nice disconnection. <laughs> Almost kind of like the anti Kevin Spacey in Seven. Fair. It's like when you're shown like who's the killer in Seven. It's Kevin Spacey. You're like, ah, that makes sense. He's a weird guy.
0: Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: It just took us like twenty years to catch up on. The oh, you mean in life. he actually was a bad I guy? I thought
0: you were just referring to him as a no, character no, no. in
1: yeah, the movie. No, no, no. I was like, ah, it's making a little
0: inverse. Dream. Okay. Okay. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. Mm. And when we get back, we are going to dive into Dr. Sleep. And I'm going to give you guys a little uh, background on what I read about Flanagan kind of tackling this story for remaking the script. And then we'll we'll get into it.
1: Dr. Sleep. Dr. Sleep. And the Multiverse of Madness.
0: Oh, and the sweet, sweet, handsome (laughs) Ewan McGregor. So yeah, we'll be right back. Listening to Story Screen presents, and this is freaking out with Flanagan. We are covering two Stephen King adaptations by one Mike Flanagan. We just talked about Gerald's Game, and the other film tonight is Doctor Sleep. Honk shoe, honk shoe,
1: me 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 me.
0: Me 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 me, me. Uh, Starring a very handsome Ewan McGregor, and. It is the continuation of The Shining. It is the story of an adult, Danny, growing up from his childhood trauma, dealing with alcoholism, dealing with his demons of having the shine.
1: Uh
0: Yeah. And then it's this whole mythos of these other people that feed off of... People with the shine. The true not? The true not. Mm. Yeah. Which is a scary fucking group of people. They
1: are led by...
0: One awesome Rebecca Ferguson.
1: Rose the hat.
0: Rose the hat. Wearing a, a killer top hat... And everyone sort of got some weird dreads, feathers, and beads into their hair. Every person in the True Knot has their thing. Yeah, that they're they, doing. They all have their weird kitschy thing, it's really whether it's cool. their wardrobe or their partner of choice or whatever era they started out in. Because they're not completely immortal, but they live a really fucking long time, and they're kind of you know a bit of a a traveling circus if you will there's a touch of carnival to them but in a more sinister way and the story is awesome i i just really like this movie i really like the way it deals with the adult version of danny um but before we get into it i was doing a little tumblr flanagan blog looking at and uh was really interested in how the story itself came to be because it's not totally tight with the book. It is, but it's not. not. At all. Yeah, but it is. I mean, and yeah, yeah. It is until it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is until the end.
1: It is a very good meeting of the minds yeah. of Kubrick's *The Shining*, which. Yeah. Pretty much did not follow the book at all.
0: And notoriously, Stephen King was really mad about he was a that little, he didn't he honor he his story. A, he was
1: a little poo-poo baby about right. it. Right.
0: He was really pissed that Kubrick did not honor this sort of redemption arc of the father kind of sacrificing himself yeah, at the end.
1: He didn't focus on... Kubrick did not focus in on the... Alcoholic redemption, kind of thing. It's was like, oh, you can find peace and balance right. after all of these things. And do you things for your family. The book The Shining is ultimately about. Right. And Dr. Sleep is sort of about that at the same time. Right. But Flanagan was able to actually coalesce these things together in yeah. a way that um, St- Stephen King loved.
0: So I was reading about it and sort of... Stanley
1: Kubrick did not like it.
0: Oh, that's... But we'll
1: never find out because he's dead.
0: That's very interesting, though. I would
1: imagine he wouldn't like it.
0: Uh, But we can get into that. But what I was looking at was sort of just how this kind of came to be, which Mm. was Flanagan kind of being brought in for a different movie, talking to Warner Brothers, and then them kind of talking about Gerald's game, which had just happened... And the person that he met with at uh, John Berg, who he met with at Warner Brothers, kind of saying like, have you ever had a chance to read the script that we have for Dr. Sleep? Uh. And so they gave Mike Flanagan the opportunity to read it. And he was sort of like, this is not how I would do it. And so instead of them being pissed and being like, get the fuck out of the room, they were actually like, well, how would you do it? Yeah. And he sort of pitched to them that he would stay much closer to the book, but that in his interpretation of it, he always wanted to have the hotel come back. Yeah. And so in the original book, the hotel had burned down and it was not in the sequel. And Stephen King was pretty adamant about that because he was pissed about how Kubrick had done his film. That's the why shining. Stephen
1: King wrote that into his book, right. *Doctor Sleep*.
0: So in Flanagan's interpretation, he's like, why not keep the Overlook, have this seminal, you know, fight at the end, the climax of the movie actually happen at the Overlook Hotel. But then the thing that Stephen King was so upset about, that there wasn't this redemption arc, instead, give it to Danny and oh. have him go through this, you know, process of getting sober and then sacrificing himself for the next generation. So it's not his own literal children, but it is a way for them to kind of honor that story. And I thought that was very cool because Uh he was very nervous about it. If you kind of read a little bit on there, I, I recommend checking out Flanagan's blog. If you like his stuff, he's really honest about his process. He answers people's questions all the time in great detail. He's very patient. People ask, you know, varying degrees of good questions. Sometimes they're they're not so. You know, they're they're kind of just wish fulfillment, fan fiction out on him, and he's still pretty patient with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun to kind of read some of his Tumblr. Um, and they were kind of talking about it, chapter one, a little bit, and just how they were going to deal with this process of finding people to be in this movie. And he was talking about how great it was to work with Hugh McGregor, because Hugh McGregor was actually sober at this point in his life, that yes. he had been an alcoholic and gotten sober. And Mike Flanagan was not yet sober. He was still kind of in the throes of working hard, smoking, drinking, you know, dealing with his demons and stress in that way. But he mm-hmm. was sort of on his way. And this movie experience kind of tipped him in that direction that made helped him make that decision to get sober so that's a very cool thing because it's sort of like the inspiration of the story he kind of got Stephen King's blessing he was really nervous about changing the story but in ultimately he was able to kind of honor some of those things that Stephen King really wanted so I think that was pretty cool, he's a respectful dude I like that he likes the source material enough that he really made an effort and I loved reading just about like all of the efforts to recreate the Overlook Hotel and like just how much how much of like a huge it fan that looks Flanagan so is.
1: So good.
0: Yeah, and like, you know, if you follow him on Twitter, like you could see him and Kate Siegel went to the hotel in Maine that it's based on and like he's just like he's a super fan. Yeah. And so you want a super fan to make this movie because it's treated with care, you know, yeah. and it, it it's not just a throwaway with special effects. Like, he's really going above and beyond. Like, I love the tiny nuances to it. It's not just sampling, you know, cuts from The Shining. It's using new actors like your Henry Thomas to recreate characters, which
1: is... The best fucking part.
0: It's so cool. It's
1: so good. I think it's really
0: fucking cool. You know, recreating the actress that ends up being in Hill House and Bly Manor is playing Shelley Duvall, his mom, you know, or a different kid playing Danny as him. It's very cool how they do this, how they handle it, because I think... If they were to just sample it with clips from the original movie, I think it would take you take you out of it too much, you know? Yeah. So he's able to kind of create his own vibe and his own world, which is not Kubrick, but it doesn't have to be. I think it's just as cool.
1: Hmm.
0: And definitely Rose the Hat is one spooky motherfucker. She's so scary. Yeah. She's so creepy. And she's so calm. And I think that that's sort of the, the, like, worst part about her, is she sort of, like, lulls all these kids that have the shine into trusting her, and then she devours them, literally. So, yeah. you know, we could, we'll talk about Jacob Tremblay, but that is, like, one of the most traumatic scenes in that movie, is Jacob mm-hmm. Tremblay losing his shine. <laughs> no, And you're, like... This is this is super sad and super terrifying.
1: <laughs>
0: and I don't I don't want to see children get murdered, but that's what happens in this movie. So spoilers for that. <laughs> no.
1: Yeah, uh this movie is just like you can't make a sequel to The Shining. You can't. Yeah. There's no way to do it. And they did it in this way that they didn't really advertise that it was a sequel to The Shining, yeah. which probably is what led to this movie not making a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Which is why Mike Finnegan is probably not going to be allowed to direct a movie for a little bit. Which is a bummer because it's a really fucking good movie. it's a really fucking, fucking good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's, like, so much involved in, like, what you would have to do in a movie that is what Dr. Sleep is trying to do, which is be a sequel to one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Right. Directed by one of the greatest directors of all time. Yeah. Based on... The source material. One of the the most popular authors. One of the most popular authors, yeah, who does not like that movie, so... It's really cool that Flanagan was able to connect all these things together in a way that is not just entertaining for all of us, but also at the same time, like it doesn't disrespect the the original, whether it be the original book or the original yeah. movie. But it also kind of pulls it forward and places it very firmly in the 21st century. Like, oh, there's, this is what we're doing. Right. Especially with the true not and like how they interact with each other. And
0: how. That seems like
1: something that you could get away with. Like, oh, this is what people have been doing for a very long time.
0: Well, yeah. The idea that they are people who've survived. Yeah since whatever age of kings and titans and things like that but then they're in a modern day how are they going to adapt how are they going to manipulate new people into trusting them new people into going missing when there's so many more ways to track somebody who's missing and things like that um i really like though that you know this movie didn't do well at the box office and mike flanagan has admitted that he was like completely crestfallen that it didn't yeah it sucks Um, and it sucks but i liked reading that his interaction with stephen king after the movie came out was that the shawshank bombed the shining bombed give it some time he Mm -hmm. told him it's a really good movie so just having that validation from your own idols is that it's not always going to work out with the masses and that doesn't mean that the loudest voice is the right voice. Right. So, you know, I mean, this is a, this is a great fucking movie. It's also a long movie. <laughs> it is a long movie. I remember being pretty tired by the end on the first watch. When we
1: rewatched it for we paused this it. time, we took a we, pee break. We hit that old director's cut. <laughs> yeah. Which is phenomenal. I
0: think the director's cut is really cool. It's So
1: fucking good.
0: I think it was very cool. Um I didn't notice anything being that extraneous from the initial cut. Oh, it's there's more some things day. it's just how it was framed. There's a couple of scenes added. There's, there's, there's a little more context a couple
1: of scenes added uh, a couple of scenes are extended mainly the thing that i noticed Is the if way i'm not it, mistaken was how it was edited
0: the title cuts they you know, really title kind of, cards. there's and title things. cards yeah. but they
1: also really pushed a lot of like flashback sequences that were used in the theatrical cut right. and put that towards the beginning and just like let that go mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. in the director's cut like you're not even introduced to Hugh mcgregor's danny until like close to an hour into the movie man. Yeah. like it's it's pretty it's good mild. though it's intense yeah. it's
0: really good it's really good um and i i do feel like you know now that it's streaming and they release this director's cut i think it's pretty cool that you're able to check that out and i think more people should um and you know this is sort of like He, Flanagan talks a little bit about the experience of making this movie was actually really positive in the sense that like he had a really great experience with the cast and that it was like really kind and that it was sort of the opposite of his experience of making Hill House, which I love. (laughs) I love Haunting of Hill House and and I feel like that's sort of lightning in a bottle. And part of that is the cast and part of it is like all the crazy effects and, and sets and takes and things that he was able to do but you can tell now in hindsight that that was like a manic wild ride of making hill house Mm -hmm. and he talks about how like this was such a good other end of the spectrum that he had such a positive experience making doctor sleep and that for him it was positive too because he was able to move forward and decide to get sober and that that was a good experience for him so it's pretty cool yeah but that aside, it's still a really cool fucking movie.
1: I mean, dude, it's a movie that's all about what The Shining kind of is about. Yep. Like Kubrick's The Shining uh on like face value, like it's about alcoholism and violence and yep. ghosts and stuff like that, but it it really brings it all to the front yeah. of like redemption and addiction and all of that stuff. Like it's and it's, dealing it's a with wild little movie that yeah. deals with
0: all of those things. And dealing with fear and like how to deal with guilt and with fear and with grief. Because they're sort of all intertwined in this. It's sort of like the survivor's guilt of his dad dying and turning on them. His mom... Sort of being reminded of her scary spouse when she looks at Danny, to the point where there's like that great scene where he uses his shine to change his own eye color because he doesn't want to remind his mom so much of his dad. You know, and it's just sort of like ways that you cope as a kid, but then the more you learn as you become an adult, how does that translate? How does coping as an adult translate? You know, whether you're actually dealing with it head on or not.
1: Well, that's the whole thing yeah. in Dr. Sleep in both the books and the book and the movie is uh, Danny is dealing with what happened at the hotel by repressing it, by mm-hmm. putting it into these like little crates in his head. Yep. Using the Protecting himself to do that. And but he, also
0: drinking himself numb, yeah, so that he doesn't have nightmares and doesn't deal with right. stuff and picking fights with people because he's acting out yeah in the only way he knows how,
1: and that's like
0: and feeling like that there's a weird connection to his dad in the way
1: cutting to the end, this is like that's his dad shows up, yep, and tells him exactly what the entire. Alcoholism mantra really is that anybody who's an alcoholic doesn't want to admit is yeah this is medicine.
0: Numbs the mind
1: up. is a blackboard. Yeah, every day, chalks something on it. Right, this Wipe is the clean. eraser. Yeah, just gets rid of it, and that's that's the thing that a lot of alcoholics like grab onto. Sure, it just like wipes that away. Yeah, and. Throughout the movie, we've been seeing, you know, like uh, Ewan McGregor's Danny, like, is just like being a piece of shit,
0: right? For a while, going back
1: to his train spotting
0: days, yeah, in a little that bit. kind of way, yeah, in that kind he's of way, being a little, but less little greaser. But let uh, I mean he's lovable but he's less lovable than like endearing young piece of shit. Oh
1: yeah yeah. yeah. In train spotting he is charming as all hell right. even though he's like a heroin addict. Right. In yeah. this
0: you're like, oh he's sort of charming but then when he's waking up in someone's apartment, he doesn't and, feel good about it. No, he he's he's old enough to know better and he's starting to feel that like with his flashbacks of memories of, you know, like talking with uh what's his name david what's like the memory of the guy from the overlook hotel i'm trying to remember that character's name um i'm spacing out
1: what are you talking
0: about the the like guy that worked at the overlook hotel that also had the shine what is that character's name oh um i'm spacing out sorry shit now you made me space. Sorry, no. It's yeah, okay. that's why. But you know, like that. IMDb. What's go going for on? It, go for it. But um, <laughs> but like that character is not actually a ghost. That character is more of a memory to him. You know uh, what I mean? Halloran. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like that guy telling him, like, don't take that girl's money. Like, don't do. You know, it's sort of like in Gerald's game. It's sort of like the conscience mm. stepping in and being like, don't do that. You got to help this kid. You know that. That girl has a baby. Leave yeah. leave her money there. You know, like, and that's it's,
1: the entire thing of addict. Yeah, yeah. Like, so the, the movie is like, while it really does like lean in on the alcoholism because that's very important to The Shining and very mm-hmm. important in the book Doctor Sleep and to Stephen King. It really is. <laughs> yeah. It really is kind of like leaning in the idea of like, what is addiction? Why do people get addicted to certain things and why is it so hard for them to break away? And once they break away, why is it so hard for them to leave it behind? Right. And I think that 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 part right there is the most important in what Dr. Sleep is talking about. It's once you break away, it's always there. Yeah. So...
0: It what, never totally goes it away. It
1: never goes yeah. away. It's like this trauma. Like, and So they treat it like what happened to Danny yeah. back in like the early 80s in The Shining. That's never going to leave him.
0: But it's like Gerald's game. It's like Carla Gugino's Jesse. It's sort of like you can't totally suppress it. You can't totally pretend it didn't happen, yep. even though she tried to. Mm-hmm. You have to recognize it and face it, and it's going to stay there. But it becomes less powerful because you're staying you're letting it be there.
1: It's a part of you that you're not recognizing, but
0: yeah. you have to recognize yeah. it,
1: but you have to recognize it for it to be
0: released, yeah or to just be able to yeah. live with it and no. not let it come yeah the you.
1: idea in Dr Sleep is like all these ghosts and stuff that are coming to like haunt him or that have haunted him in the, like the past, yeah, he's putting them in these chests and like those are all these parts of himself that he's like blocking off
0: they are and they're not like they're parts of himself but they're also evil things that feed they're also
1: literal ghosts yeah they're also they're
0: (laughs) also literal ghosts that are evil like the hotel is sort of like a succubus it it wants to deal with someone's fear yeah and feed on that fear Mm -hmm. and so that's part of the reason that he takes abra there for the climax of the movie. And that's a really cool set piece. I mean,
1: that's an amazing moment at the end because he's like, well, they can't... They can't hit us here because, like, these guys, these ghosts in this place are way more intense than these guys. And and
0: it's sort of like he survived with that. And it's sort of like welcoming an old friend even though he's fucking scared, you know? And I, I love... I love going back to the set piece of the Overlook. I love watching him walk around, and it's sort of like Stranger Things where the lights are lighting up depending on where he's in, and it's sort of like everyone being like, oh, hello, Danny, you're back. Oh, hello. you know. And it's kind of like it's fucked up. It's like, oh, you want to come in the shower? And it's like, no, I'm going to fucking deal with this scary, naked, battered woman in the shower. Mm-hmm. I'm closing the door, and I'm going to put her in her scary coffin in my mind. They,
1: They, <laughs> they turn... In a way, like, they turn, like, the nostalgia of the original hotel for the viewer that wants to see the hotel. Yeah. Like, oh, I love The Shining. I'm here to see Dr. Sleep, to see the hotel.
0: Yeah. They, they turn t- that
1: into the same kind of thing that's, like, an addiction. Yeah. It's like, you want to see this place, don't you? Right. But then when you go back there, it's like, don't you remember, like, really bad stuff happened Yeah, it was still here. pretty, Why pretty do fucked you up. you want to go back here? Right that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. I do love the like the interactions between all the people that have the shine. I love Abra. She's great. The actress that plays her, Kylie Curran. I love that there's Cliff Curtis in this movie cuz Cliff Curtis is king. Cliff Curtis in any movie. So good. Is good. He's so good. If you haven't seen uh it? Fuck, oh, my brain.
1: Avatar The Way of Water?
0: No. He's in that. Yeah, I know. But you <laughs> know the other movie that we watched with the free diving where she wants Cliff Curtis to be her oh, daddy? Marina. Marina. Hell yeah, baby. Yeah, Marina. Two wet
1: movies that Cliff so Curtis was in this good,
0: year. So good. So good. Marina. M-U-R-I-N-A for moray eels. And it's like all in the, you know, Aegean islands. It's awesome.
1: Place oh red.
0: man, it's so good. It's really good. You should check it out. Um, but they are fantastic and so is Rose the Hat, Rebecca Ferguson and so is Crow Daddy Zon McLaren who I oh, love. Zon McLaren. He's so good on, on Reservation Dogs. Yeah, I love cool. him so much but he is creepy as fucking this. And he, so- every, pretty much everyone that's in the True Not. People knot,
1: that do not like this movie.
0: Yeah. Everybody in the... Suck tr-
1: dick. <laughs> I'm going to say it. I'm everybody say in the
0: true Knot is this really movie fucking is scary. This is so
1: goddamn good. You know what I is love, though? Is it paced in the way that people are used to Maybe most not. movies? Maybe not. No, probably not. Doing? No. Is it paced well? Yes. yes. Yeah, I yes. say yes. I say yes. Yeah. I say yes.
0: I love the fact that Robert Longstreet, who's in this, essentially, like, Ewan McGregor is playing... His character that they have him play in the Midnight Club later, like sure yeah. they have like you and McGregor playing in like an orderly at uh, a hospice, and then he ends up being Doctor Sleep, where he decides to kind of use his shine for good and help people who are on their deathbed cross over, and be calm about embracing death. Fun, and yeah. then you know Robert Longstreet's character kind of does that in midnight club where he sort of like shows up as the orderly to a couple of the kids that are on their deathbeds and i'm like what are they doing here i
1: completely forgot that midnight club existed I i'm mean, so sorry yeah it's all right i'm so sorry yeah, it's
0: a friday night it's late you have drinks in i mean it makes sense
1: midnight club but, you
0: know i enjoyed it i would have liked to have seen the second season but you know you can read about it online so it's fine it is what it is but uh robert Longstreet, Kills it in Midnight Mass. We'll talk about him more in that. But oh, he's, totally. he's another person that's sort of in the entourage ensemble of Mike Flanagan that I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a few people that show up that are definitely, you know, Katie Parker. She's in all his stuff. Um, Jocelyn Donahue plays, you know, the mom. There's just so many good people that even if they're in small parts, Henry Thomas Bruce Greenwood, they kind of pop up, and you're just like, man, yeah, 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 it's very exciting. Jacob Tremblay is adorable, and he is. Let's
1: talk about Tremblay's scene.
0: Yeah, Tremblay's scene is traumatic. And it's amazing. Having only seen this movie twice, I pretty vividly remembered beat for beat what happened to him because it was so traumatic. Cool.
1: So, one of the things that I love about the Tremblay scene. Ugh. is that
0: so tremblay has got the shine
1: he's got the shine he's a little leaguer this movie has reworked like what does the shine mean mm-hmm. and it's it's essentially kind of like X-Men mutant yeah things like it's like, it's like, like oh everybody's got a different a type of shine sort of different
0: type of shine and it's, a, it's it an is, ability
1: it is confirmed earlier on the movie that Tremblay's shine it's is pretty good he can read people's minds
0: sort of kind of yeah
1: Kind of like uh, like the 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 dad that's like in like the baseball thing is like you gotta keep an eye on this kid. It's almost like he can read the yeah the pitcher's mind and knows exactly where the ball's going. Kind right, of thing. that's exactly what's going on. Right. And Tremblay has this amazing line where he's like, "Are you going to hurt me?" Yeah, because while they're getting him together, he can read their minds yeah. and knows they're going to hurt him they're going to hurt him and they're he's really like, are hurt you him. going to hurt me that's insane in the tremblay scene yeah but that also leaks out more into like what makes doctor sleep so special of a movie <sighs> given like what the shine or the shining is and it's like you you mcgregor danny has this line where he's like a lot of people shine yeah But they don't know it.
0: Some people don't know it.
1: You just know like, oh, you're not going to catch that bus. Right. Every time. Or, oh, you just know this. You know that. Sure. And I think that that's what's really special because given the alcoholic addiction nature of the movie. Right. It's all about a guy that has this amazing ability to be able to empathize with people.
0: He connects with people.
1: And he's drowning that down.
0: Well, it's almost like, you know, it is like X-Men in the sense of like Phoenix or, you know, Professor X, like learning to turn people off because you're getting flooded with obtrusive yes, thoughts absolutely. from all these people. Yeah. So I feel like Danny's character is like, he initially can't shut it out. So it, it closes it, it off. It's like you said, with the any alcoholism that comes in his wiping head, it he clean puts it in a crate, right.
1: any interaction he has with anybody, yeah. he like wipes it clean. Yeah. But then he bumps into Cliff Curtis, right? who has this amazing line in the movie.
0: Remind me, because I don't remember. Where he
1: says, I just had a feeling about you
0: ah yeah so he has a little and bit of says, shine he says
1: I know that it's really weird and you Danny says back to him like it's not as weird as you would think right and that's yeah. like one of those things it's yeah. like oh Danny found somebody that could also shine it's and like, he recognizes this is a it. good guy yeah
0: he recognizes this it is a good him.
1: guy and so yeah. it's like revealed that this dude that is running this like AA kind of community right has a shine capability of finding people who are good. Yeah. He can look at somebody well, and go, you're good.
0: He's also, he's recognizing who needs help and who is like legitimately yeah. a, a good person and will benefit yeah. from it yeah, versus somebody, somebody who's yeah. like a lost cause. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, because that's how he like first like steps up to him. He's yeah. like, Wait, you just got off the bus. What's going right. on here? Exactly. You're wearing a baseball exactly. cap. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I love dirty baseball cap characters.
0: I love... Ewan McGregor with the beard. I mean, and like, I love Ewan McGregor. I love you and McGregor. I love Ewan McGregor, period. But I yeah. love Ewan McGregor with the floppy hair mm-hmm. and the beard is so good. And I love all of the sequences of him being in his apartment with this, you know, blackboard painted wall. I love that. The best. I love his interactions with Abra before he gets to meet her. And just, like, writing hello. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the bad dreams and the mm-hmm. aspect. Like, I remember, do you remember when this trailer came out? And, I do. And the trailer showed, like, the, yes. the room slanting and him sliding mm-hmm. across the room. It is <sighs> yep. so, so cool. That's cool. And then when they showed the door with the, you know, the pieces ripped out from the axe and he's poking his face through. So cool.
1: I mean, the blackboard in his room. Yeah. And the the red rum being like punched through, yeah, very cool, really just also leads up to
0: overlook hotel,
1: the overlook hotel would being like the mine's of blackboard, yeah, and this is the medicine,
0: yeah, but he decides to not do that
1: exactly, yeah, I like though that the like red rum is like punched in,
0: well, that's from Abra, yeah. That's not necessarily from him. So I like that. Like Abra's shine is really physical.
1: Exactly, it's yeah. so visceral. She's more powerful than even Danny. Like right, that kind of thing. But she but doesn't. Like, we're talking X Men rules yeah, right now. You know, yeah. it's
0: it's like it's like Dark Phoenix. Like she can't quite control it. She's mm-hmm. learning how. She's also learning that her family looks she's at her differently. Also, a little bit of a stinker. She's a little bit of a stinker. She's a little bit of a stinker. She maybe doesn't understand. She's she's precocious. She wants to
1: be a little, uh. Yeah, no, she's precocious.
0: Well, no, No. not even tee hee hee. She's sort of like, I had a nightmare about this kid. I'm going to find this kid on the internet. I'm going to try and let his parents. I mean, I think that she
1: tee hee hees the fuck out of Rose the Hat. Oh, sure, sure, sure. grocery store? Oh, yeah, Yeah. eventually,
0: eventually. Yeah. It's, It's sort of like comes into play where she realizes her powers are strong and then she gets, don't get cocky, kid luke skywalker yeah. it you know you gotta like tell her to rein it back because rose the hat is actually dangerous you know so it's sort of like she thinks she can take advantage of the situation I mean, that's
1: kind of why the true is like oh we gotta go get this yeah they're person. like yeah
0: this is the best vintage of shine i've ever smelled i need to drink that but like
1: when when uh she really traps Rose like Mm -hmm. with the file cabinet.
0: It's very cool. It's the best. It's very cool. Oh,
1: it's so fucking good.
0: Yeah, it's very cool. It's very cool to see. It's a good movie. Anybody that doesn't
1: like this movie sucks.
0: Yeah, like the creativity of Mike Flanagan to think of all the different ways that people deal with memories and thoughts in their mind. That's right like the My filing cabinet. The
1: made you know things. the yeah.
0: the library that is inside someone's brain, the file cabinet of memories, like mm-hmm. the idea of trapping someone and but slamming their hand in it. On
1: them, being yeah. like, "No, that's not even real. Fuck you. Yeah, Break your arm. Yep. I hate you." Exactly.
0: Yeah. So good. Um and then kind of taking Danny where he was taught to put all these scary ghosts in these boxes, aka coffins in the scary hedgerow maze of the Overlook Hotel and then being able to let them all out and then feed on Rose the Hat is... Oh, it's very good. It's amazing. Oh, so good. I mean, so good.
1: the end of the movie, like getting into yeah. the Overlook Hotel. Him
0: sacrificing himself.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's like a redirection of like, well, yeah, that's what happened in the original ending of The Shining. Right. That's what happened to Jack Torrance. That's the redemption arc of Jack Torrance. Right. He did not get that in the Kubrick. No, he got one. scary,
0: frozen in place.
1: He gets a little burr boy.
0: Icicle nose. Little
1: burr boy. <laughs> but before that, too, we get a little Henry Thomas. Yeah. With a teensy bit of hair on the top. Henry
0: Thomas head. as bartender, as Jack Torrance bartender. Pop-pop. The
1: best scene yeah, it's of a the very entire cool scene, movie.
0: And I love the way that that looks because it definitely, like the color palette, it changes. It feels like the it's, original. It's great. It it's,
1: completely transforms. The yeah, movie completely it's very transforms like the aspect ratio. Yeah, it's the, very cool. Uh, the lighting, everything just like fluctuates into...
0: Yeah, who's Bam. his who's his DP on this? I gotta look some of this up because you know, like we credit Flanagan, but there's some other baller people that he uses pretty frequently. Uh-huh. Cinematographer is Michael Fimnogari, who let's see what's he's worked on. He's worked on a whole bunch of stuff. So he worked with him on Haunting of Hill House and uh-huh. Midnight Club. He's done the To All the Boys movies, which is interesting.
1: To All the Boys. Yeah. What are you supposed to send to all the boys?
0: Uh, it's a it's a book series that is a three movie on oh, Netflix with okay. Lana Condor. So Very I don't
1: actually owe all the boys anything.
0: No, um, no. it's a the first book is to all the boys I've loved before. It's letters she wrote to all the boys, I, and then uh, I know that. oh she he worked on Fast Color, which is not the most exciting movie, but looks fucking awesome. Have you seen that movie? Fast Color? Yeah. It's, yes, it's cool.
1: Yeah, it looks great.
0: It looks great. I'm saying it's not the best movie, but Bad it looks, movie. It yeah. looks great. Yes. And I'm talking about cinematography here. Yes, yes, so yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Also did Gerald's Game. And did Ouija, Origin of Evil. So, yeah. Okay, so he's a Flanagan guy.
1: He's a Flanagan
0: He's a guy. Flanagan guy. Doing yeah. good jobs,
1: though.
0: Mm. All right. You're not amused. Continue.
1: No, I <laughs> absolutely love that. Uh, but... What's going on, like, like once we get... Into the Overlook Hotel. I love it. And then we make our way to the bar.
0: And he won't let Abra come in the hotel initially. It's so good. Yeah,
1: of course not. It's so good.
0: He's like, no, they will eat you.
1: (laughs) It's just like, you wouldn't want them to use like AI generated.
0: No, that's what I mean. It's it's, Jack Nicholson. It's great that they don't use cut footage. It's great that they don't do AI. kills it it's so good he
1: slays it's great he gets it it's so good the way that he pours the drinks yeah. the way that he looks at him it's also the way that they shoot it they make it just right like but yeah. then they they hit him like straight on too and you're like ah, oh, it still works like you yeah. know that that's not jack nicholson you know it's you not you can't not make it jack nicholson but
0: it's the essence is there right which is the coolest part
1: shit can you imagine if they got Jack Nicholson to do yeah but do then it? they'd
0: have to do weird Harrison Ford's de no
1: what if they just like kept him that age oh if they kept him old they probably could have pulled that off
0: actually they probably could smooth
1: it out just a little bit but
0: they wouldn't even need to because it's been long enough
1: he wouldn't want to do it though
0: he probably wouldn't want to do it
1: he just wants to eat nachos and chips and go to Lakers games
0: is that what he does is that what you want to do
1: I'm not going on the record. <laughs> saying that's what Nachos does. and
0: chips, but not Notches Lakers games? Nachos and chips
1: and Lakers games. But that's you don't want to do that. Nicholson's regiment.
0: You like nachos and chips, but you don't necessarily care about sports. This is our sports.
1: I only care about one sport.
0: The Oscars.
1: No, that's not a sport.
0: What sport do you care about?
1: I'm not going to tell you.
0: Never? No. Really? This
1: is bad audio.
0: Oh, sorry, bud. Okay, so we're wrapping it up. We're going to rein it in. That made it seem so (laughs) weird. You're the one who said it was bad audio. So here we go. It's
1: bad audio. Uh,
0: Mike's getting slurry. So we're going to wrap this thing up. But. uh, No, the ending of. uh, The ending is great because he does sacrifice himself. But Mm -hmm. she still gets to talk to him because she has the shine. She got the shine. And now, she, now it's like she's got a good fairy ghost he becomes to talk to. A
1: ghost. He gets to be in the world that fairy... he felt a ghost in.
0: Ooh, yeah. nicely. Mm. Ooh, nice, nice, this, yeah. nice, wow. nice. But Stephen King never wrote any follow up books to this, correct?
1: Not yet.
0: But there, I feel like. With this movie, there is room for another. Dude, he's going to fucking write a book. It would be so cool. Mike Flanagan's
1: going to make a movie and it's going to be it. great.
0: I would love it. But maybe you think he would he would do it again? Do you think anyone would give totally. him the money? I don't know. Mm. Maybe Stephen King could give him some money. It's, it's, it's that thing that you were talking about where it's like, oh, everybody
1: didn't like Shawshank Redemption at first. Right. But now it's like People fucking thing.
0: love Shawshank There's now. There's
1: a huge resurgence on Dr. Sleep right now. True. People that have talked to me
0: What recently, I'm amazed by I'm is that... i just like,
1: you pieces of shit.
0: I'm amazed that you had to buy that director's cut and that that's not streaming yet.
1: You can't buy that director's cut on physical format. That's Right, the worst. but we
0: couldn't rent it either. You had to buy it. I had to buy it. Which is cray. And we did. Yeah, but we did because we're not normal. Because
1: we are... This is audio we're format f- so hold, f- hold your fist we're up. We're freaking
0: out with Flan again. So yeah, solidarity. That's fine. Okay. All right. Okay. Any final thoughts on Dr. Sleep? His hair is perfect. Rose the hat. Awesome. The uh the imagery of, of Rebecca
1: Ferguson of feeding on movie. the shine.
0: Rebecca Ferguson's so good.
1: My wife. <laughs> Uh, Euron so McGregor in She's so this good. movie, my husband.
0: He's so good, very good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. No, this movie uh, absolutely slaps and fucks in every single regard. <laughs> it sucks that it didn't get Erskirg <laughs> fucking reaction. Yeah, As it should have. It, it sucks. It sucks. It does. sucks.
0: It's true. But, but uh,
1: other than that, um, no, okay. I don't want to do anything else.
0: All right, so that's it for this episode. When we come back, we're going to delve into Haunting of Hill House as our next endeavor. Uh-oh. Which is a which is a big ask. That's a lot of episodes. That's a heavy hitter. I mean, it's it's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh yeah. But uh you know, if you listen to this episode, like subscribe, hit us up in the comments. Uh, you can check out all of our content, podcasts, videos, articles, reviews on storyscreenbeacon.com. We're going to be updating our web address pretty soon and launching a new exclusive content membership program. Stay on the lookout for that. Go on our website, scroll down to the bottom, sign up for our newsletter. You can hit us up on all of our social media Uh, story underscore screen underscore presents on Instagram and Facebook story underscore screen on Twitter and yeah hit us up tell us what you would like us to talk about next and if you have any suggestions if you want us to bring on a special guest Tim Irwin I'm looking at you bub and uh, yeah thanks for joining me on this episode Mike
1: you're welcome
0: (laughs) it's time for bed (laughs) All right. bye bye